0: The nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. My name is Stephen Halasnik and I'm co-founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions is a leading provider of lines of credit to nonprofits. Our line of credit program is easy, inexpensive, and costs nothing until used, making it a great cash backup plan for your nonprofit. And if anybody, uh, certainly all of our listeners have gone through the pandemic, we know that unexpected things happen. And the good thing to do is to have maybe a backup plan in place. And the line of credit is perfect for that type of scenario, especially because it doesn't cost anything to get it in place. Um, If you'd like to learn more about the program, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. And if you decide to apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file or feel free to give us a call at 862-207-4118. Just remember the time to set up your line of credit is now, not when the emergency actually comes up. Today, I am excited to be speaking with Jeff Brooks from Jeff Brooks Fundraising. Jeff has been serving the nonprofit community for more than 30 years. He has worked with organizations around the world and has served in many charities, sectors, including international development, health organizations and hospitals, social services, faith-based and arts and culture. He blogs at the popular Future Fundraising Now blog and is the author of three books, The Fundraiser's Guide to Irresistible Communications, The Money-Raising Nonprofit Brand, and How to Turn Your Words into Money. He lives in Seattle, Washington. Jeff, welcome to today's Nonprofit MBA podcast. Hey, it's great to be here. <clears throat> so I know that today's um, um, topic is going to get a lot of listeners. I can just tell. So today's topic is post pandemic fundraising for nonprofits, and so I think many nonprofits are all you know wondering, worried, concerned, you know, and having to you know build plans to uh, to see how the post pandemic fundraising is going to turn out. So when, uh, Jeff, I think you kind of raised this topic for me, I kind of jumped on it. I thought it would be something our listeners would be really into. So tell us the difference with, you know, maybe just a quick summation, and then we'll dive right into the details of, of, if you were to say one or two sentence on, on how, um, post pandemic fundraising for nonprofits is going to change versus what it was, what would you say? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, the pandemic was a career thing for all of us, every one of us who's in in the nonprofit, uh, any kind of the nonprofit world. And the its ending will be momentous also. Um, I would say it's not going to just stop. I mean, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel here, at least here in the United States. We can kind of see like normalcy looks like it's coming. Uh, and in some, for some of us, it's getting, coming kind of close. Um, but it's not for everyone and the, the impact on, uh, on, on the poor and many communities around the country and around the world, it's going to go on and on and on. So as a, as a thing that's affecting the world, it's not even close to over. Uh, I just heard from a client with, uh, that does work in Ethiopia and they're not expecting vaccinations in Ethiopia until fall of 23 yeah that is a long time that's two and a half years from now
0: yeah, yeah. uh
1: and they're having big wow. they're 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 kind of having their surge now they it had been kind of at running at low rates until recently, but now it's surging yeah. uh and they're have they're, they're sort of the way we were back in the uh the fall this past our past fall that's the world we're in <laughs> but now for fundraising it, <laughs> there there was kind of two worlds in the fundraising world um A lot of nonprofits kind of panicked and they buried their heads in the sand and they said, we better not raise funds. It's going to upset our donors. Let's just go silent. And they did that. And guess what happened? They didn't raise any money. Of course, you don't ask. You don't, you don't receive. (laughs) Um, and so when you look at sort of the big picture, you know, some of the studies that say, how did 2020 do in general, it shows a very small growth year. 2020 over 2019, slight growth, like uh, like less growth than a normal year, <laughs> um, which is really strange to me because every organization I work with had a record-breaking year in 2020 because those who stayed active raised far more than normal amount of money. Donors were all over it. Basically, donors want to make a difference. And when there's a big thing going on, like a pandemic that we're all in together we, we come together and donors give <laughs> and they give more than normal. You, people got unprecedented numbers of new donors. They got donors upgrading that, you know, $50 donors became $2,000 donors. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I got tired of hearing that story over and over again. Um, but for a lot of organizations, it was a disaster year because they didn't raise funds. And by the way, this is all sectors. This is whether you're front lines fighting that pandemic, either in the health or social services sectors or arts organizations who they're not going to help us with the pandemic, but their message was, Hey, we have to shut our doors. And if we're going to survive, we need you, our donors to step up and be there. (laughs) And guess what? They were there. They, 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 they were, they gave. Okay. So all that said, the, with the things changing, pandemic kind of going away, we are starting to see a, a drop in fundraising. And I'm talking about a drop from the super high levels. <laughs> so, my clients in general, they're not doing as well this spring as they did last spring. Wow. Which uh. is not surprising. Last spring, they were make, just raising yeah. incredible amounts of money. But it's not back down to normal. Yeah. That's kind of the difference. So it is kind of going down. That sense of urgency is kind of passing, but it's not gone. Yeah. So what I've been telling people, and when you look at other disasters, if you look at more (coughs) typical disasters like um, earthquake in Haiti or the tsunami in Japan or a big hurricane, you know, those kind of things, which do bring out a lot of generosity. You know, you'll see a big spike in giving when those things happen. Again, donors like to make a difference when they when they're needed. They they show up. Um, you you typically see a drop in giving after that. Now, normally the the time horizon of that is weeks. You know, there's a big hurricane giving spikes for a while, and it, and it doesn't spike for all sectors. It just spikes for sort of relevant sectors, um, and then it drops and actually drops down below normal, and then kind of recovers back. Wow. Well, because this disaster hasn't. You know, it didn't just happen in one day or one week or something. It's been going for a year plus now. I expect, but I'm not sure. I think I might be wrong about this uh, because I, I think it's going to drop back down to normal and possibly below normal and then recover again. Yeah. But here's the thing it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's going to happen. Just keep fundraising. Don't bury your head in the sand. Don't decide for donors that they aren't going to give. Yeah. Because I think that's the mistake that that so many people made. They said, I know, I understand. I have a unique insight into the minds of all my donors, and they are not going to be able to give. They're going to freak out if I even talk to them. Well, guess what? You were really wrong if you thought that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Because you can't read their minds. And actually, if you have more experience in the fundraising field, you realize – yeah, donors tend to step up. I've I've never encountered a uh, emergency important situation where donors didn't step up.
0: Yeah, I guess <clears throat> I guess it depends on your donor base, right? If your donor base is in the upper echelon, uh, maybe it doesn't have to be the top five percent, but maybe the top twenty percent of income. Um, then you know the re- then the pandemic, and let's let's be clear what the pandemic was. It was a recession too. Yeah. so um, yeah. but those the people who are in the top 20% maybe that's a little too low they they didn't get hurt financially as much that's so true. if your if your donor base is in the top five percent is the top 20% I don't know what the right number is then you know, you, you know your donor base w- was welling to step up because I knew that the mm-hmm. nonprofit sector needed help. However, if your donor base is below that level in, and you know, let's face it, those are typically maybe people who are giving less big dollars, right? Yeah. Yeah. They probably didn't give you as much money uh, and you probably went down. Um, and so maybe it was an awakening for people who said, you know what? We can't survive in these little donations anymore.
1: Would you agree with that? Uh yeah, partly. I think maybe more important than wealth to us, <laughs> the demographic that's more important than wealth is, is age. Um, and because donors are older uh, on, the, on the whole, quite a bit older <laughs> on yeah. the whole, older people were, com- were very much less impacted financially. They were yeah. Health by health, health impact was very high. But financially, because if, if you're retired, it's like your income just stayed the same. Yeah, the people who were really in fact impacted tend to be lower, uh, lower age, and lower income people who lost jobs and like you know, lost income and were in a really bad place, uh, and, and many of them still are. Uh, so I, I think that is one of the reasons donors just kept giving because yeah. it had no impact. Now, interestingly, if you look back at the uh, financial crisis, oh eight, oh seven, oh eight, oh nine, yeah, yeah, that hit upper donor giving really hard because okay. it hit. Investments really uh-huh. hard, <laughs> uh-huh. so we we did see a drop in upper donor giving, and not as much of a drop from uh, you know more typical donors. In yeah. in this case, we really didn't see a meaningful yeah. drop from from anyone. I, I imagine there are, there are organizations out there who have uh, like an unusually large database of young donors. They may have seen it hit them hard because a lot of a lot of younger people lost work yeah. um and and still are out of work so they, they could still be suffering uh, but we, we we tend to see that it, it, it's a older people have a sort of slightly different life because you know their finances are different so they don't see they're just getting an income right yeah. and so uh they're not dependent on you know the the market to make that much difference for them
0: from the from the clients you work with, um, how cu- I, I know this is a strange question, but how quickly do they recognize what's going on with fundraising, with with why it's either up or it's down? So, like, and what made me think of that is like, you know, you've already given us a couple of good insights, <clears throat> but the the fact that if the market is going up, is the indication the yeah, it stock markets going up as an indication that that your donations are probably gonna do well. If the yeah. stock market's going down, there it might not grow as your your fundraising might be a little bit affected. Yeah. Uh, are are people who are in charge of fundraising or executive directors, do they pick on up on that really, really, usually super fast? Um
1: <laughs> some do, some don't. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, the the market. If you look, if you look historically, you look at the Dow and you look at fundraising, and the two lines kind of follow each other. Um, although fundraising is kind of a lagging indicator, so you'll see its peaks and valleys a little behind the peaks and valleys yeah. of the market. Uh, it sort of takes us a little while to catch up. <clears throat> I, I'd say the people who catch on that something is up quickest are those who are watching their online revenue because that's the fastest form of fundraising. I mean, basically somebody decides to give and you have the revenue that's right then. Um, mail takes longer, takes, you have to, you have to do production and then the mail has to come back and you have to process, you know, so we, there's, there's like this lag of weeks in direct mail. Mm-hmm. Uh, direct mail is by far the biggest, uh, source of a, of a nonprofit revenue. Mm-hmm. Now, interestingly, and I think this is another sort of important thing from the from the pandemic is online revenue surged dramatically <laughs> over the past year. Um, it has been sort of growing at this sort of steady state. And, and in 2019, the, which is the last year where we have the big numbers, it was a little under 9% of, of, on, of, on, of revenue came in online uh, for nonprofits. Now that's really low. I mean, every client I have, if if they're trying at all to raise funds online, even if they're not trying very hard and not doing very much, they're above that. They're, they tend to be at ten or fifteen percent. And those of my clients who are good at it are at thirty and forty percent already. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um But and that, what that just tells you is a lot of organizations are really not doing anything online. But this year. I think with a combination of there was this sort of fear at the beginning. I don't know if you remember this, but people were thinking, yeah. are people not going to want to touch their mail?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I did. It. Right? Yeah, sure. uh,
1: <laughs> well, in the end, it turned out that wasn't a thing. But no, no. basically, be- between nonprofits kind of souping up their online efforts and then and donors sort of discovering or rediscovering the convenience and speed of giving online. So depending on the, on the study you look at, um, online giving surged by 20 to 30 plus percent in the in 2020 over the previous year yeah that's that doesn't really happen that's just that's record-breaking and the the only other time i saw that happen that i remember was remember back the uh indian ocean tsunami yeah in, uh, oh in t- four the very end of four yeah. and there was a hurricane yeah, yeah. Th- thailand indian ocean. Yeah. and then there was a hurricane uh here in the U.S., a, a few weeks later, so two big disasters. Online giving surged then. Now before yeah. that, it was really small, but it kind yeah. of became a, a, a meaningful thing then, and it didn't drop back down afterward. It went up and it kind of stayed. So I'm guessing that it has gone up by this meaningful amount. And it's going to stay up. Yeah. What does that mean? This that's important. <laughs> what that means is a lot of donors have 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 either diversified or switched their giving from yeah. offline yeah. to online. Um, so you better be ready for that. You, you better have online, you know, donation systems that work. And yeah. You better have a website that's not confusing, <laughs> and you better be sending emails on a regular basis because you're going to your donors have gone. Hey, this is cool. I like giving online. It's More convenient. Yeah, that's great insight. Uh, yeah.
0: What, what um do you think that um there is any burnout going on right now from Nonprofits that kind of survived the last year. and you know, they really upped their game and they really work super hard. and now they're kind of well they are either burnt out or they're kind of um, um, taking a breather.
1: <laughs> yes. well, I appreciate you asking that question because, most people ask the other question, which is, "Do you think donors are burned out and they're going to stop giving?" Oh, <laughs> because I, I thought you were going to ask that when you started. Uh, and the answer to that one is no, they don't. It never happens. There's no such thing as donor burnout. Yeah, there is very much fundraiser burnout, and I have to say, I work with a lot of organizations. They are they're tired. It's yeah. been a tough, busy, painful year. They're working at home. They, t- uh, you know, a lot of nonprofit employees are young. Th- Young families, there's kids at home. I don't know how many meetings I've been in. I'm talking to somebody, and a, and a seven year old comes into the room <laughs> whining about his math assignment. <laughs> uh, I, m- my kids are grown up, so I don't, I don't, I don't have that. I don't know how you keep on task when you've got kids at home. Uh, kids, kids aren't inert. They, you know, they do their thing. Um, so you're, uh, and you've been running, and there've been people, my clients. I've been making them do more work. They say, hey, you, this is the time to work. And they've been doing it. And it's been going for a long time with no rest. They get into no vacations. All this fear in our lives. Yeah, burnout is a big problem. It, it mm-hmm. really is. But mm-hmm. it's not with the donors. <laughs> you can keep on fundraising. Your donors are all over it. And they, they always have been. They always will be. But you do need to deal with your own burnout. You've so, wait, wait, do is, something.
0: So is that um, – would th- would that have topic right there about uh, nonprofit burnout of uh, fundraising? Uh, if you were to say the post pandemic uh, response to uh, for nonprofits, that that's one of the top concerns that you would say that a executive director or board member has to be concerned with. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. what what are the t- what would what are the top three things that the post pandemic Um, fundraising, what you would say is an executive director or nonprofit has to be
1: concerned with? Um, I might put at the top, I might put that burnout issue. Um, Hmm. It's, it's kind of always a problem in our sector. People tend to be overworked and understaffed, you know, that's really normal, really typical and it's not good. It's not healthy. So I might put that, I, I would probably most of the time put that in the top three, but it's more important than ever right now. Yeah. The second thing would be digital. Um, are you yeah. living in the digital world? That it, I mean, it, that it already was, but it really more than ever is now. Can you handle? Uh, can you serve your people online? Yeah. It's different. It's not dramatically different. The messaging is pretty much the same, but the way everything works is different. And there's way too many. Uh, nonprofit websites where you can't figure out how to donate or you get to the page and it's really confusing and they're requiring phone numbers and you're know, like all this baloney that's keeping donors from giving you better fix that and, you, you, and even if you're doing a good job really concentrate now on upping your game digitally and be thinking about you know are, are we doing the right thing on social media social media is potentially a big deal for us um, for the most part we're not really Doing it right, we're just like posting these inconsequential things that nobody's seeing because they're not interesting. Facebook basically will bury your boring stuff, and your your, your people won't see it. Uh, and are you doing search? Are you optimizing your search? All those things you really need to be on top of all that stuff. Um, and I suppose the third is the uh, is, this is also ongoing, but we're we're in the midst of a changing of the guard. Um, mm. Boomers are sort of taking over the 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 world of do- of donors uh, because basically we're aging into it, and the the older generation is is passing and is if you if you kind of look at the demographics, there's only a few more years where the older generation that's been our bread and butter for many decades is will be all gone, like literally none of them left, and it will be taken over by by mostly by boomers. Um, basically. <laughs> to get really ruthless about it, you, donors don't—you don't really have donors below age 55. Now I know you do, but you don't have them in meaningful numbers that can drive organizational growth. Um, and that's partly self-fulfilling because you, you know, like direct mail is such a great way to get people, and direct mail is an older people's medium, and, and there's things like that, and online raising money online. Pushes your average age down, but it doesn't push it down into the young ages, which just basically pushes it down to 60 and into the upper 50s, you know. Mm. Um, So I'd say be aware of that. Look, be be thinking about this change of the guard. It also um, behooves us to be on top of bequest fundraising uh, because there's a generation passing, like the hugest transfer of wealth in the history of the world is happening right now. Uh, And a lot of people are willing to put uh, nonprofits in their in their will yeah so, be, be All right, so let's
0: let's take each one of those and um, give us one suggestion about how to address it um, based on your experience. so the first one we talked about was um, uh, fundraising burnout yeah right your staff yeah. so so if you were to say one suggestion about how to address that, what would you say <sighs>
1: Can I give you two. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. If you've had a good year, hire, staff up. That's yeah. the right thing to do. Uh, not every, not all organizations are, are able to do that. Um, so if if you can, if it's not possible to hire, uh, you know you know increase your staffing to get the work done, look seriously into more outsourcing. <laughs> outsourcing is a something you can do. Um, in fact, it it some in some ways that you can really up your game by outsourcing. Um, the, the thing I've heard that really made helps me understand outsourcing is your motto should be do only what only you can do and outsource everything else <laughs> because it's actually much cheaper to outsource and you can get better quality. You can get people who are more, more specialized. There's a ton of things that only you can do, no matter what your position is at a nonprofit, that's not possible to outsource. Can't get away from that stuff. But look for stuff that other people could do. Outsource that. Um, I, I, I guess I would. The, the, there's sort of two other sides to this, and one is our sector notoriously has not great leadership from you know the executive level and the board level of lack of strategy. I, I, so often I see nonprofit uh, you know um, fundraising people, so there'll be kind of a rung down in the hierarchy struggling with a boss who has no strategy and basically just emails them every fourth day with a, with a new conflicting idea. So they're always spinning their wheels. If you're not burned out already, that's going to burn you out. <laughs> yeah. So we need to have better leadership. Yeah. And, and a lot you know part of the problem is that like boards boards aren't professional and, and we don't, you know, don't, we don't need them to be. But they, what they do is they tend to micromanage, and you yeah. know, they're calling them as, "Hey, get on Amazon Smile," and it's not part of a strategy. Yeah. By the way, don't get on Amazon Smile. It's really not worth it unless right. you're all unless you got on it years ago. It's don't don't waste your time on it now. Yeah. Um. So you know, get, getting better leadership, and then I I think the other one is um, every one of us in the business is. Be a little more fierce about protecting your life yeah um i think you have to i i we tend to come in we have sort of a servant heart attitude and so we take on the pain of the world and we you know we just carry the burden well you know what you need to stand up and say you know what we can't i can't do this indefinitely you need to go to your bosses You need to go to your boards and say this isn't going to work and if you can't get your boss to be reasonable if they if they won't come up with strategy, if they won't lead, if they won't hire, if they won't outsource, get another job. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, have yeah. an exit plan, uh, and, and and take it slow if you need to. I mean, it, this may not be the t- the best time to change jobs, but it is the best time to think about changing jobs and give you know give yourself you know a twelve month time horizon. I'm going to be out here in a year if things don't change. And seriously, you need to think about it. We need to let those organizations that refuse to fix themselves, we, they need to die yeah. by not exploiting good people.
0: Yeah. All right. So the, the second part was digital. And yeah. Um, yeah. certainly, you know, listen, I was thinking, listen, it's always a transformative event that something causes you to pivot, you know, which is to move in a different direction or, or attack that project that you really – had been holding off on and certainly the pandemic gave everybody um, reason to move toward digital. However, if you're trying to save your organization <laughs> and uh, right, you're hustling out there, you know, maybe the digital transformation didn't occur right, um, or it didn't go as fast. So, you know, there could be some good reasons why it, you didn't move to digital. Um, but if somebody um, either let's let's take the 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 person who started to move to digital, um, but you know, what would you say to them now? Now during the post pandemic uh, arena,
1: um, I'd say uh, have a plan. That, that's really the first thing. Is yeah, it, it's easy for someone like me to say. Drop everything and and up your digital game. Okay, that's not really how, how it works, is it? Um, it's have a plan and make progress. Yeah, uh, y- you know, uh, because if you don't have a plan, you're not going to make progress. Um, don't be uh, intimidated by how big the job is. Just do something. Yeah, and you know, over time you can make progress and get help. Get outside help. Yeah,
0: I, that's what I was going to suggest. You know, one of the suggestions you made about burnout, and that is outsourcing. You know, I find that if I want a project to move forward, the best, the two best things that happens is either I outsource it or I delegate it and give it to somebody in in my organization and say, "This is your responsibility." Yeah, right. And yeah. and usually that person is pretty excited about that responsibility. If I if I've hired the right people, of course, you right. know they're excited about a new. And I think. He goes back to burnout, and that is, um, you know, if you, you know, if 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 people are burnt out a little bit from the past jobs that they've had, giving them something new to learn, uh, you know, learning tends to build yeah. um, energy, yeah. right? Yeah, that's true. And um, and so that's you know going back to what you were saying about you know burnout. I think you can use that with digital too, and that is, you know. Give it to – outsource it to a company and, and have them design it and where you can be involved in the planning parts of it. That's fun. Or give it to somebody in your organization. So, you know, those are kind of some ideas.
1: Yeah. I, 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 you do tend to find that maybe some of your younger employees, they might be more capable than you yeah. think. And in fact, if you treat them as more capable than you think, they will probably step up. <laughs> yeah. So that 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 is a good thing to do. Like get get more out of people. If they don't want to step up, they probably shouldn't be working with you. But most of them do, and most of them could do more, and actually would would love to do more. So I, I think it's a great idea. Think yeah. Think I mean- it
0: Uh, the only thing I would add to that is delegation doesn't mean you give it to somebody you don't follow up for a long time. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because, you know, you mentioned that one of the issues we have is in regards to management skills and stuff like that. And I, you know, I do find uh, that, you know, people who delegate, including myself, when I did it, you know, 25, 20 years ago, um, you know, I didn't follow up enough. I didn't ask for statuses. I didn't uh, ask uh, for the where we are in current results, you know, all those things, Yeah, you know, you, it doesn't mean that you don't follow up on it. So I think that's kind oh, yeah. of a,
1: right. something
0: important for us to all remember. Yeah,
1: yeah. Absolutely.
0: So the third one was changing of the guard, um, yeah. which was, yeah. you know, something that we are, you're now migrating, which really f- falls into the digital area too, right? Now you're moving from, you know, people, uh, who are used to doing, uh, donations through the mail or, uh, even more personal, you know, yeah. type of events and stuff like that. Now you're moving to the next generation. What would your suggestion be in that regards? Uh,
1: the main thing is, uh, just keep your eyes open. Uh, when, when the, when the boomers first start kind of showing up, it's, they, they've been kind of filtering in for, for, for quite a few years now. Um, now the young edge of the donors of the of the boomers are approaching sixty, right? So uh, pretty soon the boomers will be all the whole generation will be in in, in the giving age range. Um, we thought back in the back in the day, we thought direct mail was going to collapse because boomers were were, yeah. were starting. To, well, it didn't, but it has got more difficult. It's got di- more difficult. The response rates have gone to a lower level. Uh, fortunately, average gift size has gone up, and that's kind of partially made up for the drop in, in response. But uh, combine that with faster than inflation costs, printing, printing costs have gone up faster than inflation. Postal, postage has gone up faster than inflation. So it's, it's more difficult than it used to be, direct mail. Yeah. And, you know, and it's our bread and butter for most of us. I think that does tell us you're going to have to learn more about digital. You're going to do more stuff on digital because it's more affordable and more and more donors are more native there. Uh, I used to say it's going to, the world will really change when retired people all retired from jobs where they use computers, (laughs) you know, and we're kind of there now. Yeah. Uh, pretty much, uh, you know, I, I, the very first few years of my career, I had a typewriter, but soon after that, I had a computer. You know, <laughs> um, so people like people my age. I'm a, I'm a uh, late boomer, <laughs> uh, and my my so called retire. I don't think I'm going to retire. I think they'll carry me away. But um, my retirement age is approaching. But I'm comfortable online, so I'm going to be. More- I'm one of these people. I say. I can't even find my checkbook. I, I don't even know how to give online, yeah. uh, offline anymore. I get a lot of direct mail, but I don't give through direct mail. That's becoming more and more and more normal. So you better be there for them. You better be able to, uh, you know, get those gifts online, interact with people online. And actually one of the really amazing thing that's happening is most online giving, I should be cautious about saying most because it varies, but, A lot of online giving is driven by direct mail. That is, people get a piece of direct mail and then go online to give, which is really complicated for us. It's like, how do we know this gift that showed up online? How do we know it was driven by mail? Yeah. You can say, please go to this specific URL. That's, you know, that's the standard way to do it. But guess what? They don't cooperate with that. They don't necessarily do that. They Google it. Right? Yeah. They end up somewhere on your site, and they give. So you you can really only kind of guess. Uh, you know, we sent out this you know this piece of this direct mail. We sent a hundred thousand pieces, and we got a surge in online giving about ten days later, <laughs> or you know however long it takes. Yeah, yeah. So, so but but it's you're approximating. So it's really hard, <laughs> and you just you have to just be super on top of it and sort of yeah, manage think, that change. I mean, I, I think you know. All of us who are a little bit older now
0: um, you know we've had to adapt to a variety of different changes right um, and that's life right um, I think you know as generations continue to go on the, the pace of change accelerates the The, the thing that I noticed uh, to and uh, me personally, I happen to adapt to change very very well. however you know if you go from zero to 60. Like, so in other words is (laughs) let's just take the social media, right? The revolution of social media. If you didn't get involved in social media that much or at all, and then all of a sudden you have to like two or three years later, start adapting to it. It's a big jump. Yeah, it is. Right. It's a big jump. And I think that happens with uh, organizations as well. If they didn't get involved in something, and then they have to speed up later, it's a much bigger jump than the incremental jumps that you've made along the way. So I'm going back to what you were saying, you know, make a plan, right? Say, okay, how are we going to address this new digital divide? And this getting into these uh, different age groups that are now coming in, have different expectations. How are we going to get there? And, 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 what little increments can we do now if we don't want to do it all at once? What little increments can we do now yeah um, to, to yeah. get you know to get in the game, so to speak? Yeah
1: yeah <clears throat> Well wh- one thing you ought to do and this, it's pretty easy <clears throat> um, is if you don't have donors' email addresses, start getting them. yeah, start asking for them. Yeah. Um, maybe do a an append to your file to get them. You know, do what you have to do to get them. Um, and then every time you do direct mail, I'm, I'm kind of assuming you're a you do direct mail. <laughs> but and when you do that, always do an email campaign that goes along with it. And it's actually really easy. Don't re- reinvent the wheel. Just take your direct mail piece and copy and paste it into an email. <laughs> revise the language a little bit so it doesn't say send your gift now but click here to give now you know uh and basically that that's gonna work and then do about three to five versions of it and email them over the course of a week aiming at getting you know uh trying to get them close to the end home date of the mail doesn't matter you you can't really time that perfectly but that's an easy way to be online and offline together yeah. And to take the investment you're making in, in in offline fundraising and putting it in online, yeah, and that will all, that'll you'll learn a lot that way, and you'll get data and you'll get donors who yeah. who, are, who want to give online. Yeah, my, just to give you an example, my
0: company, um, you know, we actually this is a company standpoint, but we went back to direct mail ages ago where we were doing all. Hmm. Electronic hmm. uh, advertising, Google AdWords, Google yeah. uh, SEO, you know, all that other stuff. And we, we knew early on that uh, direct mail was, was going to be important. And the reason being is that our competitors stopped using direct
1: mail. Oh, interesting. Huh.
0: So it was yeah. actually, we, it was the reverse. You know, we were yeah. very strong in online. So, so that's something for some listeners who are doing all online to think, direct mail hasn't gone away.
1: No it know? hasn't. No, right. And Especially
0: <laughs> in that older age group, right?
1: Right. That's right. So, I, you know, the difference between online direct mail is direct mail has way more engagement. Like 10 times the engagement that 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 the mail that that email does. Now, that's okay. You can afford low engagement because the cost of email is so low. You know, that's kind of the, the trade-off you make. But you know what? The best of all worlds is getting a donor who interacts with you both ways. Both ways. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Because if they – the uh, online donor gives a very high, much higher average gift yeah. than a direct mail donor. Oh, and somebody oh, who does both, like three to four times higher. Um, somebody who does both – Why do you think that is? Why do you think an online donor gives three to four more times? It's – Actually, I don't know. Uh, here's my theory: it, it, it's a it's a younger person who is sort of sense of scale. You, you, you know, somebody who's 87, 20 bucks is uh, is a, a princely amount of money. <laughs> you know, in in sort of in their not really thinking clearly about it. Wait, yeah. you know, twenty bucks for them in their in their prime was a lot of money. So it still kind of feels like a lot of money, even though it isn't. That's part of it. Um, and it might be just sort of the ease of giving online just makes it easier. Hey, why not make it a hundred instead of 50? You, yeah. you know, I, th- I think there's just like a calculus.
0: It could be too that, um, you know, it, the, uh, digital allows you to do more a uh, subscription base. So it's $20 a month instead of a yeah. hundred dollars a year, you know, and I know it doesn't add <laughs> yeah. up, but, but you do $20 a year times 12, you know, people yeah. don't think $20 is very much, but. Hundred dollars all at once, it might seem a lot more. So yeah,
1: there's definitely that. that. That is the other. Yeah, that is important. Also, is that online donors show a little more propensity to become monthly donors. Yeah, uh, than male donors do. so that that's really good. Monthly donors. That's one of the holy grails for oh, us yeah. to get. Oh, yeah, get yeah, people sure to Become monthly. Yeah, yeah. Fair but yeah. So loan. somebody who's you you talk to online and offline and they interact with you both ways, you get that higher engagement and that higher gift amount. That's what you want, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what kind of makes it all come together. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Good. All right. Well, um, so we uh, kind of ran out of time here, but we really covered, you know, the uh, really good stuff about the post pandemic fundraising I'd I'd like to really thank uh, Jeff uh, Brooks from Jeff Brooks Fundraising for coming on today's podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. If you like today's podcast, please give us a review on your podcasting app to help us get the word out. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can call us at 862-207-4118. Or visit our website at podcast.com. Jeff, if people want to reach out to
1: you, how would they go about doing that? A couple of ways. Um, check out my blog at www.futurefundraisingnow.com. It um, be a great way. I'm there all the time. Or my my business website, which is uh, www.jeff-brooks. That's Jeff with a hyphen between JeffandBrooks.com, uh, and that's just information about how you can work with me if you're interested, um, or go to Amazon look at look at one of my books. You might find something there that's useful. Um, there, there, there's a lot of stuff out there. It's not just me, but there's a wealth of great information uh, in the in the blogs, in the books, in the in pretty soon the conferences. Uh, you, you're not alone. Yeah. So you know you can face these challenging times with a lot of outside help.
0: You know, on, on that note too, I would s- tell our listeners, if you were to take your time and listen to each one of the podcasts from the nonprofit MBA podcast, we have so many great guests like yeah. Jeff, really, I tell you, it's like a, how to, on how to want to run your fund, uh, your not fundraising, but how to run a nonprofit because we cover yeah. so many different topics and, uh, you know, hopefully we're, you know, I think everyone's starting to commute again. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, so you right. can <laughs> listen to podcast. Um, Jeff, I mean, I guess a majority of your your uh, clients are all people who, who ask uh, you're consulting with to help them um, improve their fundraising. Is that yeah. that's accurate, right? Yes, that's right. I mean, I, I can't understand why somebody wouldn't use someone like you, because if you're doing your job right, you're paying for yourself, <laughs> you know, uh, uh-huh. in leaps and bounds. And so... Here we talked about outsourcing. This this is an opportunity really to, you know, to use an expert. So, uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be self-serving, but yes, talk to me. I could, uh, it it could be well worth your time, but, and it's not just me. Uh, Yes. Outsourcing is a smart thing to do Um, unless you get really weirdly unlucky and and get somebody inappropriate. It, It doesn't, doesn't really happen that much. Look into it, find out what, what it would cost to, to, you know, it could change your life. Yeah. And, and if nothing else, you don't you don't have
0: to say yes. You don't have to move That's forward. Right, you, right. Can, you can just get the information. Um, very good. So listen, uh, Jeff, thanks for coming on board.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: I, you know, I say this at the end of uh, every podcast. It just feels a little bit different now. Uh, I want to thank yeah. all of you for making the world a better place. It feels like we survived the, the rough part of the last 12 months. Um, you know, you all should – Say kudos to yourself and pat yourself on the back that you helped yourselves with your own causes, with your own family, and uh, with your own employees and everybody. And you know, maybe it is time for you to take a week off or two weeks off. I'm sure people are doing that anyway. You're
1: here. (laughs) Try to
0: try to regroup, right? (laughs) Yeah, You know, and uh, maybe I should take my own advice, but um, (laughs) Yeah, but but, uh, but needless to say, um, you know, thank you all for what you do for the world. We all need to step up. We all need to do our part uh, where the world needs to be better and you're all uh, helping that. So it's greatly appreciated. Everybody have a fantastic day and enjoy yourselves. You deserve it.